0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. You are in the right spot if you've stumbled upon it, if you've been waiting upon it. You're in the right spot. I got a good brother on tonight, Brennan Tate. Uh, We're going to hear about his story. We're going to hear about uh, a multitude of things. Every time he and I get together, it's like um, I think I I talked at one time about like trying to take a spoon and empty the ocean. I think that that's what we're getting into tonight. And I I, I can guarantee that we're probably not going to get all of it that we want to talk about. So I will have him on again at some point, but the main thing I want to do right now is take a moment and just let this man pray and invite God into this conversation.
1: Heavenly father, thank you so much for this opportunity and this blessing. I want to take a moment to pray and ask for you to speak in this because Lord, no matter what my story is, no matter what any of us have gone through, no matter what happens, if you had not made the conscious decision to give us life, Mm. we would not have the opportunity to give you glory for it. So Mm. we want to give you an opportunity to get glory in this conversation. We're going to be talking about the things that people don't talk about. We're going to be talking about the taboo. We're going to be talking about things that people are uncomfortable having conversations about Mm. because we need to have this. We need to have this conversation and we're going to shine your light in the dark places, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for speaking your words into this. I thank you for our brother Scott. I thank you for this platform that is reaching so many people that need your freedom and your power in their life to break the chains on them. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. Chain breakers. Yeah, we're gonna get into some of that stuff tonight. Again, absolutely. You're on. You're on. Uh, Fan the flame podcast. This is my brother Brennan Tate, and I'm Scott Tilly, and. We're going to go after some things tonight. Uh, Brother, it is an honor to have you on. Again, I love having dialogue with you. I feel like we have so much in common, and I feel like God has put you in my life to help me grow. And I know that you say that about me, but I feel the same for you because your intricate questions that you come to me with really challenges me to dig deeper into the Word. And so every time I see a message from you, I get excited, man, because I know I'm going to grow. I know my faith is going to be stretched. So what is up, dude? What have you been up to?
1: Talk to me about life right now in the life of Brennan. Honestly, man, it is it is going good. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, my name's Brennan Tate. I go by Tate. Um, I, I'll i go ahead and start with that. Actually, it's a great way to kind of start sum it up uh my name is um something i've been asked about a lot like hey uh what's your name you know first question people ask you Mm -hmm. um and the name is an important thing you know uh what you call someone or something is what it becomes Mm -hmm. or what you get from it um you sow what you reap and god always makes a very potent point of naming things and uh i found out what my name means uh later on in life and it um and my, it actually turns out to be an oxymoron. My first name and my last name are actually complete opposites of each other. <laughs> um, and so for the first 18 years of my life, I went by Brennan. And uh, I was very sad and uh, kind of downcast person and, you know, real depressed uh, a lot of the time. And then uh, sports high school started going by my last name. And when I went to college, um, God told me, go by your last name. Just last name, wow. Um, Abram to Abraham, yeah, Paul to Saul, Sarah or Sarai to Sarah, um, several more. Um, he said, Go by Tate, and I said, Okay, and just went with it. And then I got used to it, and then I looked up what it meant. So, long way home. Um, my first name, Brennan, is I believe it's Irish, um, it means uh, sorrowful one Mm. or born from the sorrowful one or like little feather, like just so on the nose. And, uh, my last name Tate, uh, I believe that's Scottish or English. I might have the two backwards, like which one comes from where, but, um, Tate means literally the complete opposite, joyful or born from the joyful one. Wow. Or I think it's like plot of land, like it's such such diametrically opposed concepts mm-hmm. that they're literal antonyms of each other is what makes up my name. And I feel like that's been such a story of my life is uh, I felt like I've been living almost two parallel lives or living the same life from two perspectives, mm-hmm. trying to figure out which one. All right, which one am I going to do today? Which mask am I going to wear today? Am I going to be joyful? Am I going to be spreading God's word, or am I going to be this downcast person? Woe is me! Am I mm-hmm. going to spread sorrow where I go? And it's just—it's been—it's been such a wild ride because I'm what am I? Twenty-six, and I've lived maybe three different lives up to this point, like <laughs> moving states, um, living drug sex and rock and roll lifestyle um my uh childhood am <laughs> I've lived enough life that I've decided I'm already going to go ahead and write a book because I I do th- I do think very deep and there are times I find it almost even difficult to have conversations with people which mm-hmm. again I'm so thankful for this opportunity because there's so many things that I feel like need to be talked about yeah um And we look at them from the wrong perspective, from an almost sorrowful perspective. And one thing that I think God really wants, that I believe God wants me to do is shining a light in the dark places. Yeah. Um, God has this omnipresence about him, right? He is everywhere. Mm -hmm. He knows everything and he has all power. And we are not to be afraid of the dark. And yet, so many of us, myself included, have been walking around in the dark, afraid and timid. And I want to use the word addicted, but I think chained up would be a more accurate term. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's so difficult to walk in God's glory when your mindset is in slavery yeah
0: yes so so, so let's let's visit that for just a moment go ahead go ahead yeah yeah yeah. i I think that at large you know all of us are chained to something Mm -hmm. paul was able to say um first of all he was able to say you know that i was the chief of sinners you know Mm -hmm. but but then he alludes to this loving relationship with jesus that says you know paraphrasing here um the chief of sinners but yet christ still loved me and died for me so so we have we have the same parallel in our own lives whether it's addiction whether it's like pornography addiction or Mm -hmm. or drugs or alcohol or maybe it's lying it doesn't really matter what the addiction is the matter is is that's the darkness that we're talking about And, and then you have this light show up at some point in your life hopefully somebody's taught it to you hopefully somebody has unpacked that for you that jesus is this light and when this light shines on this darkness One of two things are going to happen. We're going to recluse back into the darkness away and try Mm. to run from the light or we're going to go to the light and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be, you know, as these chains start to fall off, it's just like it's just like the Israelites getting out of Egypt, you know, Um, Mm. they're in the middle of the desert and they're wanting to go back to Egypt because we at least (laughs) there, we had food, you know? And and, and so (laughs) we, we do the same things in our own lives and we, and we bounce to and fro. And, but that light is always there to call us forward. And Mm -hmm. I love how you, you tied the, the illiterate, the alliteration of your, two your names, because I think that at large, most of us have two names because we're either Mm -hmm. walking in the flesh or we're either walking in the spirit. And those two, are in opposite position of one another so you, you can yep. be this or you can be this but you can't be both at the same time yeah and i think that that is that is so true um and and just the addictive part of that uh just to back up a moment like so now our addiction um and i don't like the word addiction when it comes to jesus but like now jesus is our addiction so mm-hmm. it, it's like everything that we do we think of him first or we should You know, we don't always get it right, but we should be thinking of him before we do anything. And that's why Paul was able to say, after all that, you know, I am now a slave, slave of Christ. You know, he's no longer tied to this yoke of slavery that the law, you know, talks about in um, talks about the law in Galatians 5, 1. But now we are tied to grace and truth in Christ Jesus, and we're able to not just function but really um, understand kingdom dwelling and purpose in that place. And so for you, when did that kind of happen for you where you were like, or did you always have, did somebody always speak in your life? And then one day it just kind of like, whoa, well, well, we're obviously all on a journey. we we'll, we're still learning, but when did that happen for you when you were
1: like, this is the way that I need to go? Um, I would say I got, <laughs> okay. It's, I had a very, very delayed reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I got biblical training from what I would, by all intents and purposes, consider a uh, biblically founded church. Um, both my pastors studied at Raina. Um I started going to that church as soon as uh, I was healthy enough out of the hospital, <laughs> um, but I didn't really, I don't think I really had a, a chance a legitimate chance of testing my faith um, or even an opportunity where I considered it calling it my faith until my senior year of high school. And then after that, it was a lot of rapid succession, boom, boom, boom. Um, Me and God working out, like not, it wasn't like we're taking away a little bit at a time. It was like cutting off chunks, Mm -hmm. rapid succession. Um, But my first time where i was like this is not my parents faith this is not my pastor's faith this is not anyone else this is me and god um that would be my wrestling tournament um state senior year um long and the short uh, never won a tournament of any kind um i did all right and the guy that was going into it uh for his for the finals was undefeated that year. He was like forty-seven and zero. Wow! And um, obviously, I was the underdog, but um, I ended up winning in overtime. And uh, the entire time, for the entire—I would say—for the back half of that season, from December all the way through, I just—I took God seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, for the first time, I took God completely seriously and i said you know what i can't read the whole bible from now to march but i can pick one verse and i can absolutely (laughs) digest just completely soak it in and uh, i was reading isaiah isaiah 40 uh 29 through 32 i believe um about you will i'll lift you up on wings like eagles Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i read that a good 200 times 200 times before the tournament we get to the tournament and like i think a day or two of like rest time and i read it another 100 times maybe maybe that's a low ball and then the day of the tournament anytime i had spare time i was reading those verses Mm -hmm. Going absolutely no. I got to the point where whenever I'd open my Bible, it would open to that page. Mm. And I got to a point, I think I had like, I don't know. We got to the second day of the tournament and I was the heavyweight of the 6A. So I was the very, very last, sure. last match. So I had time of day and I picked up my Bible to read. And after maybe two two to five minutes I just felt God in my spirit tell me, that's enough. Put it down. And that had never happened to me before. I have never in my life gotten to a point with God where he was like, okay, now you're ready. And then the weirdest thing happened. He told me to take a nap. Come on. <laughs> he, told <me laughs> to, he told me to relax. <laughs> 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 Which of all the times, of all yeah. the time, yeah. Think about where you're I was. Getting ready to I fight
0: was, Goliath and God's telling you to rest.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, like, (laughs) are you sure? And I looked at my watch, and I was like, I got enough time that if I fall asleep and oversleep, I still got time to warm up. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, God, I'm going to trust you on this. I'm going to trust you. I told you I'm going to trust you. I'm going to act like I trust you. And I think that was the thing of it was I, I have told him i trusted him so many times over and over. And then there are those times where I act like I trust him. Mm. where I do things that express what I'm saying without my words. Sure. And um I wake up from my nap and I've never felt better. Mm. I just, I knew in my spirit, I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. Just a calm, quiet, I got this. Mm. And it was like all of the doubt, all of the fear sure. left. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the challenge at all left. It wasn't like, there, there was any um, like uh, downgrade in the excitement or I guess um, all the commotion. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could almost say it was just as loud, but it was like, it was in tune. Right. Right. Like somebody was playing out of tune. I was afraid. I was scared. I was nervous. I was jittery. Mm-hmm. And then, trusting God is like putting it putting an instrument back in tune and like that verse um who can who would recognize the melody unless the instrument is in tune Mm -hmm. and I feel like when we are when we are out of line with God no matter what we're doing it does not matter the week before I completely botched semifinals the week before that I completely botched a duel with a guy I've been wrestling since eighth grade yeah. I knew I could take him. He knew I could take him. And he right. admitted afterwards that he thought I was going to take him. <laughs> but when we do things without God, it yeah. doesn't matter what we're doing, no matter yeah. how many times we've done it. Any time it's without God, it don't work. Yeah. And then when you put your trust in God, it's it don't matter which time it is. <laughs> Again, I'd like to reiterate: I have never won any tournament other than state finals. (laughs) Hey, when you when you got it, you got it, man. You know, and
0: I I I love this because this this takes me back to Scripture where Jesus, excuse me, not uh, David, um, is with the Israelites and he's explaining to them he's explaining his faith if you really track it down is what he's doing Mm -hmm. he he walks up to you know his brothers and and everyone else and he says well you know why are you letting this filthy uncircumcised philistine run his mouth about you of course i'm paraphrasing but they're all (laughs) like haven't you seen them over there haven't you seen that camp you know and and um david's like what do you mean like and you know, this is pesky little kid. He's he's carrying cheese mm-hmm. back and forth to the battlefield, and and they're mm-hmm. like, his brother's already on his back. Like, you just want to see bloodshed. Get out of here, you little pop. <laughs> And he's like, wait a minute, no, 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 I'm here to, I'm here to fight. You know, it, but because when the spirit of the Lord rests upon you, mm-hmm. there's nothing to be fearful of, and we have this, we have this great understanding in Christ Jesus that His spirit now is in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And so when that peace comes upon you and in you, there's really nothing else in the universe that can scare you. And that's what David was was trying to say to, to his brothers and or his brothers and, and, and all the all the uh, servicemen is like, look, God delivered, you know, the lion into my hands and the bear. Like, it, it'll be nothing for me to take this filthy Philistine as well. And they're kind of look at this kid like, are you crazy? And if somebody would have had a conversation with you. About, hey Brennan, uh, you getting ready for the next match? No, nah, I'm gonna go take a nap. What? <laughs> you, you, yeah. You're you're going against the number one kid in the state who's undefeated. You're gonna go take a nap. Well, yeah. You I should it. have
1: seen the looks I got from other rep from my teammates, from people that didn't even know me, that they knew I was in that round. They were looking at me like I was absolutely insane. I had one guy come up and ask me if I was okay. <laughs>
0: Are you on drugs? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like and, and it's, it's it's funny because when God says something to you specifically, I've noticed this when there's a movement with God corporately, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people online with it. There's a lot of people in line with it. But when God says something to you individually and he mm-hmm. prophesies to your spirit individually, he speaks to your spirit individually. Most of the time people are gonna look at you like you are absolutely insane and you've lost all your marbles. Like, <laughs> yep. what? Why would pretty, you do that? Yeah, right? <laughs> and there's things right now, bro. There's things right now. I mean, I guess I can release this now. I, I haven't I've been praying into them. Um, I guess it's a good enough platform to do that. But we're in a spirit, we're in a we're not just in a physical drought, we're in a spiritual drought out here in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm seeing a lot of amazing movements within the body. So, I mean, the spirit is very well alive and active, but I, I believe God wants to do more because he, he's a God of plenty. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I drive by this, this Arkansas River over South Dodge and, and then on and out, and I look at the dryness of this river. And every time I drive over the overpass or whatever, and I see this dry river, it reminds me of Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And obviously that's alliterating the people and God's movement and his remnant. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, can I prophesy to this riverbed and see that it start to bubble up with water? Can I can I speak a word that that's going to bring the dead things to life? And I, I feel like that's what God, I, I feel like he wants to build our faith in such a way that when the riverbed looks dry, that we can actually in the spirit, see that thing flowing. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, and I've seen that with this specific river, you know, it's, it's always, when I was little, we used to go to the river the Arkansas river, and it was neck high, you know, we used to swing out on a rope swing and all that stuff. And, and now to see it, it's kind of sad. And I'm like thinking, okay, God, when are you going to fill this thing up again? When's the Mm -hmm. dam going to break? And it's just going to be a flood of, of your goodness over this area, not just, you know, spiritually, but also physically in this place. And when am I going to see this, this river run again? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you're seeing the river Euphrates, you know, dry up and, and then you're seeing, you know, streams in the, in the desert right now. I mean, there's so many prophecies that have come into pass and, you know, to kind of, to kind of cut back to the nature of of what we were speaking about with this tournament for you and, and to see your win against this kid and, and to see the the spirit of God in you and on you to go do something that you had never done before. That's what God does. When he sets mm-hmm. when he sets the Holy spirit to commission with us, he is setting us to do something that we've never done before. When, when, when Jesus said, you know, it's better for you that I go. Cause so I can leave you the spirit. He's going to come mm-hmm. convict the world of all truth and, in righteousness, you know, he, he was saying like, there's stump, there's something that you're getting ready to do that you've never done before. And, yep. and, and we have this, we have such um, a truth that walks with us in those moments of, of complete desperation. I mean, let's look at this logically for a moment. I'm doing, I'm doing the air quotes. You're, Go for you're, it. you're pinned up. Absolutely. Against a kid. You're pinned up against a kid that hasn't lost and you've never won a tournament other than to get in. And so, like that's not and logical. Just, to...
1: just for like the 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 people who are like me that are gonna pin it all down. Um, I actually lost to this same kid at the week before his semifinals. Okay. So there wasn't okay. just like on paper like the numbers crunched out. There was also that he had the psychological one up. Because yeah. he would already beaten me once, right? Right? Yeah. There's there's
0: a sense of uh, comfortability probably for him going in there. Like I've already mm-hmm. got this kid, mm-hmm. but but the fact that that God says go take a nap, um, <laughs> it, it, it's like wait what? Okay. Most people logically wouldn't even have thought of that. Like, but mm-hmm. when God speaks to you like that, it's not going to. Don't expect everyone to understand your grind or or your gift when god didn't give them your vision and mm-hmm. and i think that we need to hear that because god's going to ask you to do some things that he may not ask your neighbor to do he may not ask your pastor to do he may not ask Make a prophet or a pro- like somebody else to do he's asking you to do it and he told you to go take a nap you were obedient to do that you come away with a win and that i think in of itself man it just kind of gave me this thought like the things that we struggle with as men that we try to lay down and we pick back up and we lay it down and we pick it back up and we lay it back down and we pick it back up. What if we just rested in those moments? What if we just took a nap with Jesus in those moments, instead of fighting tooth and nail, like you've given me this faith to overcome this God, I'm going to, I'm going to stand and I'm going to, I'm going to defeat this thing. I'm going to defeat this thing. that's in front of me. And God's saying, Hey, why don't you just go take a nap? You need to rest. You're acting erratic. Just go take a nap. And we come out of those rests victorious, you know, that resting in the Lord is probably one of the most important things that we can do. We have to have that intimate rest with Him that gives us the Absolutely. power and ability to go do whatever He's called us to do. And so leading into that, from the conversation about, about this amazing testimony that, that God you know, has blessed you with to be able to walk with Him and tell that story, what do you think men... Why? Why do you think it's so hard for us to rest? Why do you think it's so hard for us to sit still and just sit at the feet of Jesus and take a nap?
1: Mm. Mm, that's that's a good one, and I'm glad we're getting straight to the meat because I, me, and a buddy of mine actually have had this conversation about resting to the point that he's. To, I'm going to leave names out of this for privacy Yeah, purposes. Absolutely. Um, I'll call him. Bill, okay. so me and Bill, we got to talking one day and <laughs> this man has literally worked so hard that his stress levels have caused his health to start giving him reasons to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, me and him kind of have a similar opinion about the doctor. Um, I know a nurse personally, my mom, so I don't go to the doctor. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> The last time I was at the hospital, they slapped me and I didn't like it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only my mom's allowed to slap me.
1: <laughs> um, so he actually got to the point where his calcium levels had shot through the roof so high that he had grown basically an, a tooth in his ear. Whoa. Yeah. And he'll, he knows exactly who he is. Shout out Bill. (laughs) Um, But it just, it got to the point where I started looking around and started thinking to myself, like, how much have I actually rested? Mm. How often do I rest? Like I started asking myself simple questions that God would ask me, like, Mm. why do we rest? Mm. Simple. On the seventh day, God rested. Yes. It's a. It, there's something so simple about knowing that everything we do, think, say, and know mm-hmm. comes from God. Not, not and to mention it's a command: keep the yeah. Sabbath
0: holy. Not. It's <laughs> not like an option. Yeah, it's not like, hey, <laughs> like, if you guys want to, no, you need to keep the Sabbath holy. And really, when you don't, do
1: <laughs> we, we
0: we see what happens when you don't, right? I mean, we yep. see. The body started My to break dude down. literally grew a tooth in his ear. That's insane, man. That's insane. And we make mistakes. We make yes. mistakes. We keep so busy. Pastor uh um Pastor Michael Parati a couple of weeks ago talked about busy. He's like, Oh, I'm just busy. He's like, why do we why do we answer that when everybody asks what we're up to? How's things going? Pretty busy. Maybe yep. we don't, maybe we need to say no to some things to not be yep. so busy. And I, I'm so glad that we we jumped into this because we are in a society that just doesn't stop. We don't stop. There's a, there's something going on all the time. And it's, it's insane, man, really like the functionality that we, that we have to, that we have to have eight cups of coffee in the morning before we can even get going or two energy drinks before noon or like, dude, it's, it's the real deal. It's because there's so much expected and I mm-hmm. I just simply believe that's where we fall into sin as men so easily, because Jesus himself said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right. He says, yeah, take my yoke upon you. Right. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We've chosen the hard yoke. And the heavy, right? The heavy burden instead of the easy yoke and the light burden. And that's all he's saying. Like, listen, you guys have become so busy. You don't spend time with me anymore. And you wonder why you're falling into Sam and temptation with pornography. You wonder why you got to take a hit off that next cigarette or that next joint or that next hit that next line or stick that needle in your arm. You have become so busy taking care of everybody else that you forgot that I want to take care of you. And how yep. I do that is you sit in my presence, I will refill you, and then you can go do those things that you need to do. But we've gotten it so busy. We've gotten so busy with life, man. I had this conversation with a lot of people. I'm like, what are we working for that is going to carry any weight into eternity? because if it's if it's not the kingdom of God and advancing that, advancing his kingdom, then we're wasting
1: our time. We're literally absolutely wasting
0: our time. and Becoming absolutely
1: more than that. We're wasting God's time. Wasting God's time. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let that one marinate. Good. We are wasting our time and God's time. Come
0: on. Come on. And, and then we start it, to grow teeth out of our ears, you know, <laughs> um,
1: because and wonder how that got there. It, 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 I feel bad for Bill, man. Like God bless Bill. Um, he's doing all right. He got it pulled out. Good, um, good. Ironically, he's still working just as hard as ever. <laughs> We but, gotta find you know, that rest. You know, I, I've I've noticed, you know, how often do you hear men say such common answers like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's or fine. yep, I got it. Yeah. Yep. Don't you worry about it. I got it. Like, when was the last time you heard another man ask for help? Yeah. Huh. And it just like certain things I've been I've been taking hard looks at, um, especially in my own life. Um I, I had to come to a place where I realized I could not, not do this on my own. There were, there were very, very few points in my life. I say, I'm going to say, hopefully thus far. Yeah. Hopefully thus far. Yeah. Um, Where I didn't need a whole lot of help. I really didn't. My, my parents raised me strong. My dad raised me very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a bit of a late bloomer, but once it, I'm the type, once it's in there, it's going nowhere. Right. Um, and it just, it was so hard for me to undo all of that, that thought process of, I have to do this on my own and I can't show weakness. I can't show any emotion. Um, I just had such a, such a concept in my head of, of um, what's the word? Independence, mm-hmm. complete independence, and it got to the point where I was being independent from God, and I was trying to do it literally all on my own, mm-hmm. and it crashed, burned so fast that I I had to take a second and talk to God about what just happened in my life because, like I said, it went it was boom, 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 boom. Um, the wrest the state wrestling happened. And then I graduated a week after I graduated. I went to an all star game and uh my leg got completely messed up um got that healed um and then I'm off to college, you know like it was it was so fast that I had to take a second i had to breathe and just talk to God like what just happened yeah and God, God could very, very easily say the exact same thing to me with, you know, going from the state tournament to that point, I kind of just dropped off. Mm-hmm. Like I trusted God so much. I trusted God so much. State tournament happens. I give God the glory and then I got it. I'm good. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah.
0: How often like, do we like do that? Habit. How often like do we do that? Hey God, I need you now. <laughs> oh, thanks for showing up. I'll catch you in a couple months when I need you again. Like
1: that's right, just, like that's just the only, reality only of when it. When it's absolutely necessary that mm. I have to admit, I can't do it on my own. Other re- than that, it's like, we don't feel a need to.
0: Absolutely. I remember uh, when I first started preaching, um, the lord had shared with my heart like you're not going to be able to just do a couple of devotions and call it good you're going to have to really get into the word and spend time with me and so what i did was you know at some point during every day i carved out time and it was like i always say this to everybody when it's i i use this like for working out for whatever like when people say i don't have time scott and i said nobody has time you have to make it And Mm -hmm. that's just the reality with the busyness, right? Like if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. And if your time with God is not important, then you can't really expect to have that peace that Jesus talks about in John 14, 27. You can't really expect to have the power that's throughout the gospel. Like you're going to have limited power because you're not getting full by the source. You're taking in all these other things that are temporary at best. And they're not going to fill you the way that the spirit of God does. So God was telling me, like, you're going to have to not just learn my word, but apply it. OK, don't just be a hearer of it, be a doer of it. And mm-hmm. so that I took that seriously. And so I started I started preaching and, and, and spending time with God and writing out sermons and writing out notes and. I'm at a place now where it doesn't quite look the same. I I feel like um, God has given me the ability. He's blessed me with ability to stay in the word every single day. At some point, read, retain it and just read it again and speak it out to a point where, you know, when I do preach, people ask me, well, what do you do to get ready? And and my answer is the same now. It's like, you don't have to get ready. You don't have to. You don't have to. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so I always want to be on that offense with God. I always want mm-hmm. to be on that like I got a I got a message in my back pocket and it's mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit gave it to me and here it is, you know? And that's not for everybody. Some people spend hours and hours and hours writing sermons and that's awesome. Um I don't have that kind of time right now and I am just saying that like to take care of the things I got to at home and 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 the and the job that God has given me and you know uh the ministry like at large, like he get, he's given me grace in my life right now to do things and do them well. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to mess that up. And so I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful that I finding rest in him has given me uh, a strength that I didn't even know that, you know, was available. And so, yep. um, man, just to kind of go into the latter part of this podcast, I want to talk about some deeper things. I want to talk about addiction and, One of the things I want to start with is the the noting from me to you, the gifting that God has put on your life, particularly to be able to think deep about the root cause of these addictions, and Mm -hmm. and you're a numbers guy. I don't know if you know that, but like you, you're (laughs) able to kind of figure through some some things. And um, there was, you're always posting things on social media that I that make me think about specifically this addiction to pornography and uh how it infiltrates and how it uh it manifests and it moves so darkly and deceptively in our lives and so mm-hmm. man i want to give you time just to go into some of that stuff and, and here's my here's my goal tonight i want to see some dudes and some some girls set free tonight by listening to this i want to hear um what god has put on your heart in regards to the truth of bringing that darkness to light not in a way to like um shame anybody but to see them really set free and i know that that's your heart behind it that's why i love you man you're not out here shaming anybody you want to see people set free from this and so strategically scripturally uh spiritually man like what is the need to shake this dirty demon of of pornography or any addiction.
1: Sorry, we can edit that part out. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I was holding that coffin the whole time <laughs> you were talking. Okay, so just to dive straight into it, I, I will speak to you from a third-person perspective of what God showed me, and then that, I think, will help out a lot of people yeah. because... I think that when we are in something is when we have the hardest time seeing what we're going through. Mm-hmm. But when we are watching someone else go through it, we have all the advice in the world. And yeah. God showed me me. And I think that's what that was really something that helped me o- literally open my eyes. Um, let's go ahead and just be candid about it. This is a conversation for both, like you said, men and women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um And I am a numbers guy. I took the time, looked up some stats. And unfortunately, um, today, from the ages of, I believe, 8 to 18, 10-year span, 90, I want to say mid-90s to high-90s percentage of young boys have either seen porn by having been exposed to it, or actively seek it out. Hmm. And as of recently, the number for women for young girls is now this is going to sound like a double negative phrase, but the number is now positive, meaning that it's above 50%. Wow. So 60% of young women are in that same boat with those young men, which oh. means that give or take you have if you have children, and I know you have littles. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have children, you have somewhere between a five to maybe twelve percent chance that your child has not been exposed to porn by the age of high school. High school age, five to twelve percent.
0: Yeah, hasn't that I ha- yeah, that they haven't, man. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's where we're at, right? That's where we're at in in the world today,
1: man. And I I, I believe I take a second to look at like the conversation with the parents side of things because sure. we've I personally know the children's side. I I was raised at the tail end, I think, of your generation, and at the mm-hmm. fore end of the uh the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was right on the cusp, in between, and so I grew up with that experience of being exposed to porn. And I had this conversation with both of my parents as an adult because I couldn't have it with them as a child. I didn't know how to. Mm -hmm. And as a teenager, I didn't think that that was even possible. As an adult, I was mature enough to realize that this needs to happen regardless of how uncomfortable it is. Mm -hmm. If I want my freedom, I have to be able to talk about this. For starters, I have to be able to say the words. Yeah. I think that a lot of us need to hear that, like, sometimes you gotta say it out loud um, because when was the last time you did? Um, but for for parents, I know, I remember both of my parents had a similar reaction and it was almost a, a pulling away, like a drawing back, um, not from me, but from the topic itself. It's such a taboo that people are afraid to talk about. It's like something in the darkness, and um I really love um, this image. I'll get to it in a little bit, but um it's like people are afraid to talk about or even touch the things that are in the darkness. But the things that are in the darkness are the people that we love mm-hmm. because they have been caught in sin and they're now trapped in something that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to get out of it. And when they're so stuck that they're literally chained up that they need someone else to help. Um and we're pulling away from them. Mm-hmm. That you that's almost like taking their last bit of hope with you mm-hmm. because they're looking to someone for help, probably to a parent. And when you pull back away from them, you're quite possibly pulling on their last bit of hope. Yeah. And that's I good. think that it's very important. I love the way my father handled it. My father was honest, he was truthful, and he did the best he could with what he had. And he made it known that he didn't know what to do. He was, this was the first for him. Mm -hmm. And I don't hold it against him that that happened under his nose. Um, Backstory short, um, I was molested when I was five. Mm. Um, And my father handled it the best way he knew how. However, it still happened. And. I had this conversation with my father and he was truthful with me. He did the best he could with the knowledge he had. Mm. And he didn't have a lot of knowledge back then about it. And I think a lot of parents still don't. But if we look at those numbers for just another second, those same numbers about high schoolers, if you have a child, odds are they're getting to high school. And at some point they're probably going to be exposed to porn And in today's age with advertisements, if they're not exposed to it by seeking it out, it will be brought to them. Right. Um, And if almost every single child is going through this issue. And almost every single parent is. I'm, I'm using this term as a neutral term, is ignorant of how to have this conversation with their children then that means that almost every single child is suffering with a almost universal problem feeling alone in the darkness sure and i i want to say that the biggest the biggest deposit of hope that i got in my whole battle i was exposed i was molested when i was 5 i was exposed to pornography when i was 9 that's what, really where my addiction started hmm. And I would say that for the last, I'm 26. That's the majority of my current life so far. I have been fighting this battle on a losing front. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I particularly shunned one idea, the idea of being accountable to one person. So you go to somebody and you spill the beans You tell them you're dirt and you are naked before somebody and you say, hey, I messed up. I did this and this is my fault. And that idea, the first time I heard it, I think I was like 13, just made me repulse. It made me draw back because I was was so in my sin that I was to the point of defending my sin. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us get there when we don't even notice, we don't look up and we we're to the point of like, we know this is a sin and we don't like that we do this and we're, we don't want to do it. And we don't, we keep doing it and we're just wondering what's going on. But yet when we have either a suggestion or maybe God gives us an idea in the privacy of our own home and says, Hey, you should get rid of that. And it's something that will practically help us. we buck against it. Yeah. I'll give you a real practical example. God, (laughs) a while back, God said, you know, something that might help you is if you got a flip phone for a while and I will be honest and say, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I noticed a, I wouldn't say a steady progression but almost this brick wall went up that in my fight against this, there was a certain Avenue that I can't, I can't go anywhere around. I can't find some trick that'll get me around. it. I can't go over it. I like going through it is the way, but that means I have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I have to get accountable. I have to, hell all. And I pulled back from that so much that I just, I was like, you know what? Nah, I'll find another way. And for the next like 10 years, I was struggling on a downward Mm -hmm. path. of. there's no way this, I eventually got to the point of thinking, there's no way I'm actually going to get rid of this. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to the point where I decided that if I don't get help and this has to be help outside of myself i had i come to the point i had to admit to myself i was not enough to beat this on my own right i i admitted to myself that either i have to get help and get better or i have to accept the fact that this is going to progressively get worse mm. because because even with me actively fighting against it I was still losing, right. right? So, right. Just a quick mathematical perspective, ten-year your, your long game—that is a losing battle, no matter how you look at it, and no matter you can, you can squint your eyes, tilt your head, and turn around for all you want, and it will not change the outcome. And I had to admit to myself, I need help, and that's when I started reaching out beyond what I thought I really needed. I've told people about this. And been like, hey, you know, I just I want to talk about it because it's something I struggle with. And people had different reactions all across the spectrum. And I'm not holding anybody to any kind of standard or anything. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this needs to be a topic, though, that is brought up more often, mm-hmm. and often enough that a parent can have this conversation with their child as easily as they have a conversation about, hey, You've been on your phone too much this week. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's common enough that children are going to expose each other to it. Mm-hmm. It needs to be common enough that a parent can talk to their child about it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. Because, no, it's 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 everywhere. And so much of what you're saying is is backed by scripture. You know, you talked about earlier, you know, how um you it's such it's such a topic that just stays in the dark. Well, mm-hmm. if it stays in the dark and it's never brought to light, as the word says, then then that sin is not dealt with. And the moment that it surfaces, that somebody calls it out, whether it's a hard rebuke or correction or teaching, you know, in love, of course, wrapped in love, then we can actually deal with it. But if we continue to just hide, as the enemy likes to do in the dark, you know, mm-hmm. because the initial the initial call out's hard. I mean, immediately I started to think about in the garden where Adam and Eve ate of the apple and then they went and hid because they had noticed they were naked. This this is the first time they noticed they were naked. They didn't know before that they were naked. Right. And like
1: like a bite ago, they were not naked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so, so they go grab the fig fig leaf and cover up and God's, I love, I love
1: this illustration
0: of God though, because he was walking in the garden with them. It says, Mm -hmm. right. Beforehand, and now he hasn't left. It's not like he's like some outside spectrum now, and he's not with them anymore. He says, "Where are you?" Yeah, and he knows where they are. He wants them to <laughs> own
1: what yes. has happened,
0: so he can yes. receive them again. And and that's what I love about God. He knows, you know. And then we come to the first sacrifice where he has to go kill an animal and and cover them, and and so. Anyway, I was just thinking about that. And like all these deeds that are done in the darkness that we try to suppress and we try to hide and we can stay there and become so comfortable, it becomes our lifestyle. And then Mm -hmm. it's it's not even a matter anymore of, gosh, can I get out of this? It's like, I don't I don't even know if I want out of this. This has become my life now. And and again, I mean, the things that have happened to us affect us in the long run the things that have happened to us at five, six, seven years old affect us in the long run. And it, this is where I believe that the enemy has, has, um, he, he can gain ground if we're not careful, if we don't parent this right. And I'm not shaming anyone who, because let's be honest, most of us weren't taught, uh, that our parents now on how to handle these situations. You know, I know I wasn't, I, I I've, I found movies and I found things and friends were showing me things that, I never in a million years thought about going to my parents about because it was too embarrassing. I didn't want to admit what I was doing. But if the enemy can can hide us in the darkness with him for a while, then that becomes our identity. And then he's able to still our identity at such a young age because of the things that we've been exposed to or the things that have happened to us. And then we don't even know who we are at 13 or 14 when we're really coming into those things and trying to trying to understand who we are we have no clue because our sexuality has been stolen from us completely. Like our eyes have been, our eyes have been uh, completely um, messed with in a way that, that we're not even seeing clearly. And so somebody can tell me all day long, this is who you are. This is who you are, this you are who you are. But if I don't believe that for myself, because of what I've seen and what I've experienced, it's going to be real hard for me to grasp that concept. And Thank the Lord that He sees purpose even through all of that. That he can he can witness, he can, he can minister through somebody, he can pull us out of the pit of hell that that we have dug ourselves into multiple times. And I I just I want to read this real quick because you posted this the other day and it caught my eye. I, I I took a screenshot of it and I wanna talk about this for just a moment because it's so pivotal in understanding how dark and deceptive the enemy is so i i'm not a fan of this person i don't listen to her music and i'm sure uh, you know so others don't but Billie eilish okay mm-hmm. she's she's a singer you know she's got a i'll just say it she's got some demonic songs out there i mean it's just obvious yep. look up yep. the lyrics and you look up um the characterization behind it it's just demonic i'm not going to tiptoe around yep. that, tiptoe around that okay but she she was quoted saying this and this is somebody let me just preface this with this is somebody who's worldly she's not living for the lord she's not saved she hasn't repented of the sins that she's committed to my knowledge i mean she's still very much indulging in the world i think her fruit speaks for herself but i'm not here to bag her on that i want to i want to just post or I want I want to talk about this post that you you posted of her because I think it's huge and I think it's absolutely amazing that even somebody who's living in the world can see the de- the mm-hmm. demonic nature in this she said this I started watching porn when I was like 11 I think it really destroyed my brain and I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to such so much porn that came out of the mouth of Billie Eilish that's a quote yeah. by Billie Eilish so yeah. if she's saying that what does that say about this this demonic spirit that's behind this lust this perversion this this mm-hmm. uh this wickedness this um this witchcraft like it's it's mm-hmm. terrible like god will always create something good and the enemy will always try to twist it for something bad and that's what has happened with Absolutely. sex that's completely what's happened Absolutely. with sex and so it- yeah, I just want to hit on that for a moment, man. What 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 are your thoughts on that?
1: It's actually really interesting. You hit on like all the points that, like this. I know I said I wasn't bringing notes, but like I, right. just to help me stay on track, <laughs> I brought like a couple. Um, but like you hit on all the points dead on. Um, I'm gonna take like a half step back Let's and then go. two steps forward. Yeah. Um. So hang on. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention about the way my father the main thing about the way my father handled the situation was he was not over aggressively. Have you been watching porn? What have you been doing today? What Mm -hmm. how long have you been on your phone? He was not up in my face. He was not like the helicopter parent. He was not um in denial. He didn't ever um deny that it happened or act as if this is something we brush under the under the rug. Yeah. He never he didn't like I said, shy all the way, like just completely pull away. He had an initial shock, mm-hmm. but he did not pull from the conversation. Mm. And he stayed in there. He stayed in that, let's call it what it is, that awkward moment. Mm-hmm. He stayed that with me. And through that, through my teenage years, through my childhood, from the moment it happened, And I know to the rest of my life, my father has always had expectations of me. Mm -hmm. He has never once victimized me Mm -hmm. of what happened. He has never been like, well, he's handicapped in some manner now because of what happened to him. He's traumatized. My father 100% treated me like a man and forever holds me to account as my father. He doesn't treat me different. He saw what happened to me and does not see me any differently yeah. other than I'm a child. And because of Sounds that, that's like a that, good dad. <laughs> I'm telling Sounds you. he's like a great I, father, man. Gosh, I can't. I haven't told him thank you enough in this lifetime.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amen. Um,
1: the other thing you'd mentioned was the garden with the Adam and Eve and mm-hmm. God calling out to them. Um, it's you can really relate almost e- i would say every single sin to that one sin mm. that's where it all stemmed but in if you take it like just a second an interesting look is um we're in the garden as adam and eve we can all in some sense put ourselves in their shoes um or their feet mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and um it just it always seems like We're all trying to get to the there and then instead of focusing on here and now, Mm -hmm. and we all look at our watches like, when is it going to happen? And we look up and wonder where did it all go. And it just, God, God's dropping bars. (laughs) That one wasn't. (laughs) That was good, man. That was good. Come on, Holy Spirit. Um,
0: (laughs) Amen. Amen.
1: You get to this point where. We all are in a present moment, a, almost a perpetual moment of the opportunity. We mm-hmm. all have an opportunity, God, um, to do our to fulfill our purpose, to yeah. do what we're put on this earth to do. And so I heard something very, very, very interesting was that Adam was not meant to just solely teach Eve to not eat of the tree and to tend a garden. Adam was meant to get rid of the snake that was in the garden. Mm. That was his job. He was the protector Mm. and um, men are the protector, the provider care or not caretaker. Um, We look after the security, right? Mm -hmm. Of the household. Most men I know own more than one firearm. Mm. We are naturally built to be secure. So it stands to reason that Adam's job was also to get rid of intruders.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: <laughs> how different the story would be if Jesus would not have had to be the second Adam who crushed the serpent's head. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How different we would all have. How different of a mindset we would all have. Yeah. Still walking in the perfection of paradise. Yeah. Knowing that it is not what we do or what covers us. I guess, even the skin of the animal, um, it is not necessarily what covers us that God is looking at because God sees who we are. He knew us a whole bite ago before we took the fruit. No matter what your sin is, whether it's pornography, whether it's masturbation, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, um, he sees who we are through all of that. and something something that's really interesting is that Adam had two opportunities in the garden, really three. The first opportunity being he had the opportunity to kill the serpent and not to eat of the fruit. He could have stuck with God and done it his way. He could have trusted God and called the serpent out on his line or done what he done and trusted the serpent and doubted God mm. where if you look at the Bible from a mindset perspective, the whole of the Bible is trying to get us to shift our mindset mm-hmm. back to what God had in the original perfection mm-hmm. trying to get us back to right standing. And we're always talking about how it's never God that's the one that needs to move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> has God ever been wrong? Mm. I've, I'll be honest. I've I can't. It. I can't <laughs> find
0: any times. No. <laughs> I can't think I, of any times.
1: <laughs> <dumb> question. <laughs> but I have not once found a time when God has been wrong. <laughs> so if we're the ones that need to adjust, how much? How far off? How far out are we that we're questioning God?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> what His best is for us. Like, yeah, I, I think that that is something that needs to be noted in every man, every woman's life. That God's best is better than my best. And absolutely, Adam thought he knew best, and guess what? He didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, God literally gave them one rule. He only had mm-hmm. one rule. Like
1: just and, the one, and
0: it just goes to show like how human nature gets in the way of God's blessings. And I, I love. I love the illiterate, the, I said it, uh, the, the, um, the looking at of, you know, how God is turning us back to, um, the perfection Mm -hmm. as that's exactly what it looks like to have our minds fixated on Christ. Because when we do like, I I feel like, and this was something for me when, when I got saved and it's not that I haven't been tempted because it's been in my face in more ways than one. But when I got, let's just put it as when I got radically transformed, filled with the Holy ghost, like pornography for So this is why it's hard. I want to know because it's hard for me. Pornography was something that i never even felt like I needed to grab again. Like, mm-hmm. it, and I was, I had watched it from a young age. I'd seen, mm-hmm. you know, things and I just progressively watched more hardcore stuff, you know, started out here. Then it was like, Oh, if there's that, what's, you know, what's the, you know, and, What's next? Mm-hmm. And, and so when God took that from me, bro, like I was like, wow, because I, I, I was probably seven, eight months down the road thinking, wow, I haven't even watched that. I don't even like mm-hmm. disgust me to think about it. So when I hear, you know, people struggling with it and let's be honest, statistics show that there's pastors out there that struggle with it, that are preaching messages on Sunday. And mm-hmm. Christians all over that are still struggling mm-hmm. with, it. and so
1: I have deep. I want to say like forty percent of Christian men.
0: Forty, yeah, forty percent. I was, I was going to say like thirty-five, yeah, forty percent. So I have deep empathy for that, and I wanted to see that number drop drastically. But in order for that number to drop drastically, we have to talk about it. We have yeah. got to bring it to light, and I think that's where we've missed it. Where you know, it's become just about this Sunday gathering, this feel good. And, and Jimmy comes to church feeling amazing. Hands are in the air. Mm -hmm. Mm He loves the message. It's a convicting message. He's hearing the truth and it's a great gospel being, it's a great gospel being preached. But when he gets home and the week drags on and he gets tired and he runs back to that old thing, Mm -hmm. how do we shift Jimmy's mindset into thinking, dude, I know you're tempted, but you don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the one thing about Christ that we need to realize, like, we talked about this tonight at supper celebrating Passover was that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. He could have, he could have sinned. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But the Bible says he was tempted in every single way yet without Mm -hmm. sin, because we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with us. We have a high priest that was tempted in every single way yet without sin. And that's why we always can go and go back to the root, understanding that Jesus is enough because there's not one sin that we have been tempted by that he hasn't been tempted by. He gives mm-hmm. us the blueprint and, and it's tough, dude. It is tough. But I truly believe in Christ Jesus. We don't have to sin. We just don't have to. And I'll probably get some crazy looks for that. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I know that if we're continually walking in the spirit every second of every day, mm-hmm. like if we choose spirit, not flesh, then we're choosing to not sin. And mm-hmm. it is, it really is a, it's an understanding that Christ is in me, the hope of glory. So I can choose him. I can choose the mm-hmm. kingdom. I can choose perfection. In Christ Jesus, instead of settling for something that's gonna last seven to eight minutes and leave me feeling guilty for seven to eight weeks. Yep. You know, and and that's with anything. I'm not just talking about pornography, that's drugs, that's lust with the eye, whatever the case may be. But I, I love I love the restoration process because God will take something that's seemingly so broken. And I heard this the other day, that God has been taking crooked sticks and writing straight lines with them for eternity. And I love that because it's so true. Like he can, his grace shows up in places where I sometimes it makes my head spin. I'm like, wow, dang God, you're good. You know, like you really are, dude. Look, (laughs) look what, look what you just did. And he continues to pull my mind with that. But Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, it's tough, dude. It's a tough subject because, like you said, it is taboo and it is under the rug, and nobody wants to talk about it because it's something you do by yourself and Mm -hmm. with nobody else around. So, but I I want you to think about the the conclusion or the the exclusion with that how the enemy pulls you away he mm-hmm. pulls you away so that you're by yourself and then he what what's he do he he he's going to try to pick off the person that is maybe weak in the faith for the moment maybe tired maybe whatever and so yeah what what were you saying after that
1: um i i actually think that that is perfect description because God gave me this image of a lighthouse and he gave it to me years ago. And for some reason, I, I say I'm a quick learner, but for some reason, when it comes to God, he gives me things years in advance. And I keep wondering, why do I need this so early? And it takes that long to just get it in there. Yeah. But there was one thing in particular. God gave me this image of a lighthouse and said, what is this for? Mm. What does this do? And, you know, I was I was in one of those mindsets of this was when I was very deep into my addiction. This was one of those points where I was like, I got this God, I don't need help. I'm Mm -hmm. good. Let me work on it. I got this. And I was being stubborn. And I was like, God, just give me a minute. And he said, take a minute. Study this while you're at it. What does this lighthouse do? Get back to me. And I'm not gonna say God gave me the silent treatment, but God checked me. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I checked myself and said, All right, I'm in timeout. What am I gonna do with this time? Let me check out this lighthouse. And I realized that lighthouses have the sole purpose of making sure that ships don't crash into the rocks. It's a very simple task, Mm. but on a grand scale. From a bird's eye view, you have a ship in the water, possibly multiple ships of an unknown number, unknown size, unknown cargo, could be flammable for metaphor. Um, you have a cliffside, could be a beach, could be a shoreline, could be coral in the water, could be any number of things, um, could be the cliffs of Dover, for all we know, and mm. um, and you have, say, one X factor, one thing that comes to mess it all up. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. And let's just say he throws a bit of confusion in your life and throws some fog at you. That ship is now entirely, 100% dependent on that lighthouse mm. for survival because it's blind. Mm-hmm. That ship is navigating navigating waters with cargo to a destination and if that ship doesn't follow orders correctly if that ship doesn't come to port safely a lot of people are gonna die not Mm. just get hurt gonna die and that Mm. lighthouse doesn't go anywhere it's not fancy it does one job it shines a light at night in the dark it says hey I am right here, but everybody knows for a fact, no matter what the waves are doing, no matter if we can see the stars or not, no matter the time of day, I know that if I see that beacon right there, I know that's land, no matter how close or far away I am. Hmm. And I know that I need to adjust my course because that, that lighthouse has not, nor will it ever move. Come on. That's the source of light. Now we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit we're gonna dive into it. Let's we're gonna dive into this because like I said, I've been marinating for a few years on this one.
0: Yeah. The light we got about five minutes,
1: so let's have it. Oh, let's make it quick. (laughs) The light of this lighthouse, what is it that is this is something I noticed in my own addiction. What is one of the most common things, like one of call it a genre in pornography? Is somebody either I would say number one is probably a taboo of incest. Mm. Number two is probably getting caught. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Getting caught by any number of people or relations to the individual. Wow. But it takes the perspective of the viewer. Mm. You just got dang, busted. Dang, dang, Now, let's let's take a second and realize. <laughs> I'm gonna we call ju- we it just devil. blew the whistle on the porn industry. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, let's go. Get him <laughs> down. Caught. Write that one down. Hashtag got caught. Let's go. That's really how I I would not have ever known I had a problem had I not got caught. So wow. thank God for getting caught. Amen. Let's let's take a second and realize I'm gonna call the devil out and say he has never had an original idea. Nope. Nothing about him, nope. nothing he's ever had, nothing he's ever done. is original. He rips God off. The counterfeit. On Every single thing he's ever done is a counterfeit of what God actually has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I started looking at that, and I realized, wait a minute. So you're telling me that this lust I have or that I'm dealing with has a legitimate source that's holy? Which means I can actually go to God for that source and get fulfillment in this Mm -hmm. and actually be void of my temptation, or at least in a place of victory from my temptation, if you want to call it that. Yeah, because <laughs> temptation will show up. Yeah, but you mean I can actually win this fight? Yes. Come on. And that it was some it was so wild to actually have that revelation because that's so it's deep. been so many years, so many years in the pit dude, thinking and you're right. You get comfortable,
0: dude. I got to say something, because this is huge. Like what you just said about the lighthouse. OK, God gave you the vision of the lighthouse. You started that with saying I was smack dab deep in the middle of my sin. Mm-hmm. This is what most people will believe when they're in the middle of their sin. God's not talking to me; He's mad at me. Mm. God literally showed up. This is what God. You said earlier that a lot of people will not touch it because it's a dark place. God's not afraid of dark places. He not will expose all. the darkness so that the light can shine through, and and the, so that the love of, and the love and the glory of Jesus can be shown to all men. And that's what happened perfect. in the middle the of perfect. your sin, dude. That's that. That's, that's precisely what it means when the bible says while we were still yet sinners christ died for us while we were smack dab in the middle of our debauchery in the middle of our lust jesus christ chose to die for us and so if you're caught in that place just open your ears to hear him because i promise you he's listening to he literally gave brennan gave tate a, a prophetic vision of a lighthouse smack dab in the middle of his stuff like what won't he do for you i don't care how far you think you're gone
1: god's arm of reach is not too short to pull you out absolutely and the whole purpose of a lighthouse think about that again is to light up the darkness yeah if you if you take back that idea that the devil tried to sell us of getting caught and saying that's what you want you want to get caught you want to be so deep in it (laughs) that you get caught If you take that away from the devil and give it back to God, this is the part that's hard, is actually coming to God with the truth and saying, this is where I'm at. Here I am. Mm -hmm. Give it to God and let him tell you the truth of what it is. No, you don't want to be caught. You want to be known. Yeah. Because Adam and Eve knew each other in the garden. Yeah. They were completely naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. You want to be Mm -hmm. naked and unashamed and known. By somebody, your spouse, amen. And you want to be known by God. You don't want to keep hiding, you don't want to be caught. You want to tell the truth. Because let's be honest, all these lies are heavy. Yeah. Look, I
0: love you, bro. This it's gonna wrap up, but I I love you, man. I love you so much. I thank you for taking the time. We'll love you, brother. Uh, God, we give you the glory. We thank you. I thank you for my brother. And I thank you for this time together. Jesus, continue to give us wisdom and understanding of your goodness and your love. Bless my brother. Keep him. Amen.